Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to Riding the Wave. I am Mark Healy, the managing editor for the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper, since 1893. Uh, Really nice uh, show today. Uh, For more than 68 years, the Bell Harbor Property Owners Association has represented the people of Bell Harbor, and its mission is to protect and enhance the quality of life in the Bell Harbor community. Hank Iori, who's been the president for the organization for the last five years, recently sat down with me to discuss the challenges facing Rockaway. Now, um, I don't want to give away anything that I talked about in the interview, but uh, I do believe, uh, and I've said this many times, that Rockaway is the community it is because of people like Hank, people who spend hours, uh, you know, days, weeks, you know, trying to make their community better, fighting with city agencies to make their community better. So um, it was a pleasure for me to have Hank on the program, and I certainly want uh, to let people know that there are uh, lots of other people who run civics, who run communities, uh, you know, community um, organizations that you know we want to have on the show. So if you know of anyone that wants to be part of Riding the Wave, certainly have them reach out to me. The podcast is getting really, really popular. We're getting close to 25,000 downloads, which is amazing considering we have zero budget and zero uh, you know, technology on this program. Uh, but uh, people have you know, told us how much they like it. So we're going to keep doing it um, regardless of the numbers because I think it's a really great way uh, for people who listen to the podcast to get to know not only their elected officials, but certainly the people that run their community organizations. Without further ado, uh, here's Hank Iori, who's the president of the Bell Harbor Property Owners Association. Okay, we're here with uh, Hank Iori. He's not only a member of Community Board 14, but he's also uh, the president of the Bell Harbor Property uh, Owners Association. Um, Hank was, I think, from like the first, you were always very uh, supportive of uh, having me here as managing editor. So uh, I think the first thing you ever said to me was, welcome to Rockaway. I think that was the first (laughs) thing you ever said to me. So I've always felt um, uh, thankful. And, and grateful for that welcome. Uh, it wasn't the same welcome I got from everybody else, but I certainly remember that was your welcome. Um, for those of you who don't know 
about the Bell Harbor Property Owners Association. Um, it is, in, in essence, a civic, correct? Correct. It is a civic, and uh, we cover the area from 141st Street to 130th Street from beach to bay on the peninsula. Um, from 141st and 49th is Naponset, and from 130th on down is um, the Rockaway uh, Civic Association. So, and we collaborate with those right. other two associations yes. uh, on things that are needed for our community. So, you know, when people ask me about Bell Harbor and they ask me, I always say, well, for the first person you just talked to is Hank, because Hank not only is on top of, you know, all the different issues, but you also have worked with so many other stakeholders that, it, and I've always seen that kind of um, collaborative effort from you, whether it's the Naponset Property Owners Association, whether it's Community Board 14, whether it's other civics, as you mentioned, because um, you have to be collaborative. You have to work together because that's the only way anything, when people start playing, as Phil Goldfeder used to say, the compare game, when we start doing that, we lose. What we, we, we have to do is try to get to a point where we're explaining uh, how these issues affect all of us at the same level. Mm -hmm. So I guess my, my, first real you know, my first real question in this interview, uh, Hank, is since you've become the president of, of, the, of, the, of the Bell Harbor Property Owners Association, if you had a list the top three things that you have, I guess, are most proud of, what would those be? It's an interesting question. Um, I became the president some six years ago. And uh, that first year that I was there, the biggest issue in our community was that there were trees on the mall that were um, actually hampering vision as far as making turns on the mall. And uh, we were able to work with the parks department and get some of those trees pruned so that people felt very happy uh, that that was done. And those were the kinds of issues that would come up from time to time as, as our community was moving forward. Um, then came Hurricane Sandy. And I, had, uh, I was working as a consultant for a company. And once that hit, I sort of felt, that's it. My focus has to be with our community because the need is great. Um, that storm, uh, I stayed in my home during the storm. I watched the water rush down the street. I watched the neighbor's um, porch come down the block. And the next day when we woke up, it was like a bomb hit. Uh, we went down to the end of the block and we realized there was no baffle wall, there was no sidewalk, there was no street. Um, it was really a, a, a jolt for everyone in our community and across the Rockaway Peninsula. And everyone was trying to pull together. Um, with that, uh, as far as top priorities, um, on my block, we started a block watch just to make sure that people didn't try to vandalize homes. We had one home at the beach show, by the beach that was completely knocked down, and we didn't want anyone trying to break in and take whatever they could get. So we set up a, a, a block watch. We had no electricity, no heat, but there were people that stayed in their homes, and we did too. A few days later, I found myself over at St. Francis de Sales working with Monsignor Brown, God bless him, uh, who really had an open feeling about let's do whatever we can do to pull things together. I met some very nice people from all over the city and the world, actually, that came in to help with the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the helping of the community. 
and we got pretty involved and pretty quickly got things done. Uh, we had a company that put up a tent for us in the parking lot, and we had lots of trucks. I guess Bell Harbor had some national uh, fame as far as what happened with 9-11 and also with the plane crash. So there were people across the country that sort of knew the, the community and was donating and trying to help in any way they could to bring us back. Um, we set up a, in the parking lot this, this um, large tent. The Monsignors realized that the school was badly damaged. The, the gym was badly damaged. The electrical was out. Everything was out. But in the interim, it could be used, the gym, if we had materials that were coming in, you know, people were sending in all sorts of equipment to help people, um, uh, you know, to, to deal with the cleaning materials, rooms, um, people were sending in uh, generators, all kinds of, we had a young man that lived in the community that moved out to San Diego, uh, James Brennan, who actually set up, set up a campaign there to collect funds and sent materials from San Diego in to our communities to help people with generators and other things. So it was that kind of outpouring. It was just wonderful being in that because um, we were very successful. And in fact, we were maybe so successful that it was kind of interesting at a certain point. We would have meetings every evening in, in the school with the Monsignor and the key people there. And we'd talk about what's, what's happening and at a certain point, we realized that we were the only place on the peninsula that was doing was doing this, and that we would, and we had a lot of people even coming from the outside, other areas of the community, and maybe taking a bit too much. It seemed like some people were collecting things. And I remember in his discussion, he said, "Well, what would Christ do?" He said, "The bottom line is there aren't that many that are doing this, and we can slow that down by asking people." take one or two of things and whatever. But by and large, we're here to support everyone. And the few people that may be going, doing not the right thing, we've had to let them go and, and continue with what we're doing. And what we did do is at the door, we then asked people who came, what do you need? And you need one mop, two mops, but not 10, that type of thing. And, and it, it sort of worked together. It was a very uh, interesting experience. I had a few people that actually slept at my home when I found out that they were traveling great distances to get there every day. Um, and it also, so it, it really was a, a, a very positive experience in a sense because they were people that were really concerned. So I was proud of that. And then looking further, it was beginning to ask the city, state, what are we doing to help us? Um, uh, I, I spent a lot of time trying to get with the Department of Transportation and figure out what they would do to fix the streets and sidewalks. And the gal that was the commissioner then kept saying, no, we can't do it, and had a number of reasons why. Uh, I said, what we want to do is collaborate and, and work with you. I have a, an urban, pay, urban planning background, masters in urban planning, and, and I'm kind of interested in how we're going to do it, and I know what would best fit our community. Well, it went on for a while until finally she said, okay, we'd like to meet in, at Phil Goldfeder's office and, and discuss. So... When we went, we thought we were actually walking into a uh, meeting that um, we would then discuss how we want to do streets and sidewalks. Silly you, Hank. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, very naive. Very naive. <laughs> You're right. Well, all right. I walked in, and there were the plans. And she said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start in a month. We said, no, that's a terrible design. You know? Or, 
because this is an entry area to the beach. You can't have just a five-foot sidewalk. You want to. We all had planters in the past that were there and flowers, and you want to dress it up. And it was like, well, that's what you're going to get. You know, and he said, no, don't do that. You'll be upsetting everybody. It's it's less than what we ever had. And uh, we actually, the Civic, uh, got renderings done by an architect as to what we felt were the right plans. And it's interesting how things work. Um, we had the renderings, and we were trying to get them to the key people that might be able to help us. And I found myself at the borough president's um, office with a hurricane task force meeting. And uh, at the time, I gave the borough president a copy of the renderings. And then I saw Amy Peterson from Build It Back, and she's really doing a good job. It's a hard job she's got dealing with Build It Back because when what she inherited was really a nightmare. And she's was trying to make sense of it and continues to do so. Uh, and I mentioned it to her. I said, you know, I have these renderings. If I could, how do I get them to the mayor? And she said, let me have them. I'm going to meet him this afternoon. So she took the, the, the renderings, went back to City Hall, and to do her word, she showed it to the mayor. And the mayor looked at it and said, oh, this is very nice. I think we should look into this. The next thing, Polly Trottenberg, the commissioner, gave a call and said, could you come out and discuss this? And... Uh, that's exactly what happened. She came out and we went through the render and said, oh, I like this. We could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And um, it turned out that um, we, they redesigned the whole thing, the Department of Design and Construction, and it was pretty much what we had asked for. Um, so I, I was kind of happy that that had happened. That they listened to us, our, our civic association and the community at large. And I followed through with the work. Once the work got started, I got to meet New York Asphalt, the company that had the contract, and rode my bike up and down from 149th Street to 126th Street, talking about what was being done on each block and how. And uh, we had a nice collaborative um, uh, relationship. And I think what we accomplished, the Civic Association in our community and the Ponset, we're paying for the plants that were put by the beach walls, um, the actual planting of it, we, we recommended that uh, uh, a pipe be put in, a three-inch um, PVC pipe that didn't cross the planter so that we could ask homeowners to tap into their lines so that we could provide drip hose system mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. care of the planter. Sure. And we got the cooperation of, of uh, homeowners on each block to do that. So if you go up to our community now, you're going to see uh, a, a very nice planting in the entry of the, the um, to the beach, and uh, so that we feel we feel good about that. We we um, we approached the parks department at the time and said, you know, when they're doing the concrete, couldn't we get the concrete back in the back wall, inside the back? And at first, uh, they gave us some resistance. They said, oh no, we can't do that. We can only do what was um, before the storm. And we said, well, that was. We had the concrete there, and it went back and back and forth and back and forth. And you know John Signorelli, he's on sure. my executive. I have a wonderful group of people that are surrounding me with our executive board for the Civic. And he went into Google and got maps before the storm, overhead images, that showed every block with the Yeah, concrete. never never tell anybody from your group that, no, that's not the way it is, because they'll find it. They'll yeah. find the answer, absolutely. <laughs> so we took that packet and we sent it to the mayor and we sent it to the commissioner and to Dorothy Lawnowski. He said, it is there. So they got back and said, well, I guess, all right, fine, we can, we'll can. we have to ask uh, FEMA for the additional monies. And, and that 
additional money finally came, and just recently they finished putting in the, uh, the concrete there. So we've got a nice opening. We also did a rendering that we approached the Parks Department we would like to have on the beach side, some a little more concrete, and ultimately some bicycle racks on uh, so that can handle 20 to 40 bikes so that they're not thrown all over the place. Right. And it's a safety issue as far as we're exactly. concerned. Exactly. And also, um, American flags. We're a very patriotic uh, community. You can see where the flags up in Rockaway Beach Boulevard, and uh, we, we welcome the, the wounded warriors and those types of programs into the community. And uh, every block had a flag before the storm. None of the blocks have flags now. And that became a contentious issue. They're not interested in uh, either allowing us to pay for a flag or put up a flag. So we're at that point with that. We'd like them to reconsider their thoughts on that whole issue. I, I, you know, that's something certainly that I've been involved with. And all the stuff that you've been talking about uh, kind of started uh, when I start when I started, that process was going on. So I was there for the meetings where you guys were talking about um, the renderings. Because I remember you sent them to me. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, well, why wouldn't, I mean, this is always my question, and I've been talking about this with, uh, uh, you know, all the different elected officials that come in for these podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I said the same thing to the mayor when I had the mayor on the podcast. I said, you have – I don't know what the perception of this community is, um, but whatever it is, it's wrong because you have so many professional people that live here that know this area. It's like getting – it's like the difference between – data that you get from a computer and data that you get from boots on the ground, the kind of intel that like, you know, certain mm -hmm. military, um, you know, officials need before they go into an area. You're right on target. Boots on the ground intel to mm -hmm. me, why would you go anywhere else? Why wouldn't you have someone like yourself or someone like John to come in and consult and say, look, we're about to put together the plans mm -hmm. to reconstruct, you know, the reconstruction of Rockaway. Because basically that's what it was and is. Absolutely. The reconstruction of a peninsula that was devastated by this terrible storm. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you involve stakeholders uh, in the process and before you present something to the community board? Mm -hmm. and, and at what point do they realize that the community board is going to reject something that they, A, they have no input in and B, is wrong for the mm -hmm. community or inappropriate? And it doesn't matter – it didn't matter, and it still doesn't matter. They have this cookie-cutter approach um, to how they fix problems because it's easier for them. Mm -hmm. It's easier for them to have one plan, you know, and that's, that's the way it is. But then the time spent in the adaptation, the time spent in the, in the, in the uh, you know, the, the, um, when you have a suit and you have to make alterations, you know, mm -hmm. the time that it takes why wouldn't you just do the alterations and do all that stuff in the planning process? How about the Beach 94th Street performance space issue? It's another one. It's like, what is this? It looks like a bus stop. Like, what, like, don't you understand that these people live here all year round? They just don't, it's not just for the tourists. So I think that this administration, in my opinion, uh, needs to do more of the listening and more of the understanding. Um, and especially since so much money is now coming into this community. Um, and, yeah, the boardwalk is fantastic, but how, we do, how do we maintain it? How do we build upon it? We're not going to build upon it with this cookie-cutter approach. We're mm -hmm. going to build upon it by bringing in people from the community, like yourself, 
to plan out how the rest of this reconstruction is going to go on. You, you know, you, you're right on target, uh, Mark. Um, from the very beginning, I remember talking to city officials and everything else saying, why aren't you setting up a field office in the community where you can have your architects and engineers keep people from firms like Skanska and everything else where people can come? And they did it a little bit with Skanska, but I'm saying before that, all the other decisions that were being made by the consultants that the parts department had hired and everybody, so that we could have uh, input. And, you know, if they had a field office, they could have an open house every Friday from 1 to 3. People can walk in and say, where are we with these plans? How is that going on? Well, maybe you should think about this instead of that. You know, that type of thing. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of plans, It's the, the concept of planning with the community is showing up with a almost completed plan. Right. I mean, we had this situation um, just about two years ago, a year and a half ago, where Parks Department came with us and said we need ADA compliant ramps from 126th Street to 149th Street. And we said, well, I guess we understand that. And then we looked at the design and we said, but these ramps, there's, there's, there's a concern right now in that the Army Corps of Engineers has a... the, the the berms that we've received up in our area are temporary. They would not hold back if we had a hurricane sand. They would disappear. In fact, the sand would end up back on the blocks and everything else. The baffle wall that they put up is a sand stopper, nothing more. Right. If, uh, 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 if we had a surge, all those cement blocks would come flying out and probably do damage to a lot of the homes. So it, we were very much concerned with that whole issue. Um, so we said, uh, our concern with you trying to do at this point um, ADA compliant ramps is you'd be putting it over a berm that the Army Corps would ultimately want to come back and tear out to put in the rocks that they want to put in, to put in the metal sheeting that they want to put in, to bring it 16 feet high and then put two feet of sand over it. That's their plan, and that's what they so far have, have suggested they want to do in our community. So what would happen... If you put these in, and um, and then they came along and they said, well, if they tear them out, they'll have to put them up again. And I sort of like said, well, it's not really a good answer because that's our tax dollar. Well, that's, that's millions exactly of dollars exactly. that will go down the tubes, and everybody will look the other way, like, well, I don't know how that happened, but let's just move on. Let's not talk about it. So those kinds of things can concern us very much. We don't really feel that that should be the way we should. Well, because it's not their we money. Have discussion and. It, it's it's our taxpayer dollars. Exactly. And you want to spend it wisely. There's a lot of money that has come in. And um, it, all along, I was saying to the park, um, the um, boardwalk, you're doing the boardwalk now. When are you going to get to 126th Street, 249th Street? And um, they kept saying, well, we have to get, we're concentrating on the boardwalk. Once the boardwalk's done, we'll do something. Well, when the boardwalk was done, they said, well, I guess the rest is the Army Corps of Engineers. We're not going to do and then they turned around and told us that there was $120 million left. And I sort of questioned, did FEMA give you money for 149th Street to 109th Street, or was it just for the boardwalk? Would they have left us open? We've got 2,000 homes right now that if a storm like Sandy came, they'd be right back to square one. Flooding would take place, and the damage of those homes would be formidable. You know? But that's where we stand right now. So that's an issue that's very much of a concern. At this point, I really feel the city should jump in and come up with the, the additional dollars to at least do the burn. 
even though the Army Corps is supposed to, the reality is when we call the Army Corps of Engineers, they're saying, at the very least, we'll get something moving about 2020, oh, but we have to set priority. They say, we have some money now. They're dangling maybe three or $400 million around, but they're dangling in front of Rockaway, Coney Island, <laughs> Staten Island. And, and when you say, well, where's the priority? Is our community of 2,000 homes a priority uh, to get something done to protect us? Well, maybe if you had and a donor... That's what Maybe if you had a donor in Bell Harbor that gave, you know, gave Mayor de Blasio, you know, a couple of hundred million, maybe, you know, you'd get your, uh, your favor, uh, yeah. you know, get those personal emails and phone calls right. going. Maybe um, the, the past Mayor Bloomberg right. might have some dollars he'd like to give our community. We would greatly appreciate that. Look, I, I know that just based on my three years here, I know that, uh, you know, it, it's very difficult to get things done in Rockaway. It is. So what you have accomplished certainly is amazing, in my, in my opinion, because you're not in a section of Rockaway that the mayor favors or is ever comfortable in. Uh, you're in a section of Rockaway that has, again, uh, people who are a little bit more affluent than others, uh, other sections of Rockaway. Uh, so this administration uh, seems to favor, uh, you know, or at least has the, has the mindset of, well, you know, you guys are all rich, so you could take care of your own problems. I remember printing a letter not too recently um, that was a little controversial. People got upset at me because I, I published it, but I didn't write it. And I think that sometimes um, you have to publish something from a different point of view because it creates a conversation. Uh, it may create an angry conversation, but that's kind of my job. My, kind of, my, my job is to kind of get people to think. So what this person wrote was about the ferry. And you and I have had many conversations about the ferry. And it was, oh, you know, why are we subsidizing a ferry for the rich white people of Bell Harbor? Okay. So again, I got a lot of flack for that. But again, the reason I printed it is because I wanted people to be like, wait, hold on a second. Uh, I've been living here for 50 years. I, I may be wealthy in the sense that I have this real estate that now has risen in value, but you know, I'm a hardworking guy or a hardworking sure. woman or a hardworking family that have been together and have, you know, basically made this community what it is. Mm -hmm. And the idea that the ferry was somehow put into place for that reason is ridiculous on its face. Yeah. Let's talk about the ferry a little bit. And let's sure. talk about, again, that, that boots on the ground <laughs> intel mm -hmm. that the city ignored mm -hmm. uh, about the bigger boats, mm -hmm. about, um, you know, the, the more trips per hour that, they were concerned, oh, is the ridership going to be there? But we knew that the ridership was going to be there because we knew that Sea Streak, and I say we, I mean the community, um, we knew that Sea Streak wasn't collecting its ridership, ridership data properly. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew that those numbers were being undersold so that when uh, EDC would come here and say, well, we're discontinuing the ferry because mm -hmm. there was low ridership, we all knew that that was ridiculous mm -hmm. because we all took the ferry we all saw the potential for the ferry, and we knew what was happening with the boardwalk, that once that boardwalk was in place, as we saw last year, that there was going to be an explosion of people. Mm -hmm. So give me your impression of, of where the ferry is from when it started in May and where it is now and how do you think it can be improved upon? Well, the ferry is just one component in relationship to the redevelopment and the, the restoration of the whole Rockway. I mean... I, I know I'm from one particular small area of the peninsula, but I love this whole peninsula. And um, things have to be done on a more comprehensive. We should have 
planners here in the community right now thinking in terms of how to best serve our population and the residents of the city of New York and the visitors of the city of New York who want to come to the Rockaway. It's clear. I've been on that ferry a number of times, and I've met people from South Africa, from all over the world, Europe, that have come, and they, they like riding the ferry, and they, they want to go uh, to, to the beach and enjoy it. And it, it's just the beginning. It's only going to get better. Um, but we need to do a more comprehensive plan. Um, when I when I look at the way the ferry rolled out, I, I actually gave the mayor uh, uh, kudos that he yeah, got it I out on I, May 1st. I did as well, know, absolutely. Because you, you, uh, yeah, exactly, because he did it two months earlier than we thought. People were skeptical that it would even happen. I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I didn't believe so, it was ever going to happen. And, and it, was, it, it, was a, it gave us a time period to begin to see just what would happen and to make adjustments. Unfortunately, he didn't have boats that were larger in the wings that he could say, okay, let's get those on. Because what happened was what we expected as a community, but maybe not the city, people in lower Manhattan that had kids that want to go to the beach, what an opportunity to hop on a ferry and come to the Rockaway and spend the day. Um, tourists came. People from Williamsburg found ways to switch onto ferries and come. So it, it's been a tremendous success. But then again, getting back to the boardwalk, the boardwalk is 5.2 miles long. The, the spot where it's most um, active as far as people coming to the beach is about a mile long. That happens to be Shorefront Parkway. And, and um, you know, so people come to that. Once you get by 80th Street and go down further south, east rather, there's no bathrooms. There's no other areas. This should be developed so that you could spread these areas in the 30s and 40s that easily you could set up large parking lots. You could have some kind of activities there that would attract people. These are things that urban planners should be looking at and developing, and the city should be allowing certain land usage there so that, we can, so that when you're riding your bike, every 10 or 12 boxes should be a compensation, and there might even be an eatery or something like that. And it has to be looked at you know, in that way. Because then we can handle a larger crowd. Now, getting back to the article that that person wrote, I've been on that ferry and I've seen the the bus from the east side with a lot of people coming, yes. and they're enjoying it too, and of the course. kids are enjoying it too. So I wish we could find an area uh, further east where we could have a ferry landing. It's not easy. I, I've gone over the the the, the maps, and right? It's kind of complicated it getting is. a ferry down it to thirty fifth. 35th Street or around there because of the way it, the, the, the the ocean is and the, the, the Bay Rally is, is mapped out. So, but that's something we could pursue. Well, but still, we're getting people coming in. And the reality is, if we had a ferry at Ott Street that was trying to go to Manhattan, it probably wouldn't beat the A train as far as getting in because it's a it's a longer journey right. that would have to be. Well, I mean, I think the A train in Far Rockaway there uh, is a much easier trip than let's say the A train here because mm -hmm. you don't have to it's stop. It's more direct. Yeah, exactly. So train uh, what I'm looking forward to is the, um, you know, the Queens Rail. I really mm -hmm. think that the Queens Rail is a project that I've talked about it with uh, Senator Adabo and Stacey Fefferamato and obviously it was Goldfeder's, you know, kind of sure. major thing. Um, so, you know, anything, I, I think that my takeaway from this 
and I never even thought of it before. Uh, my takeaway from this interview, Hank, and I certainly want to thank you for being here today, um, is that you're right. There should be uh, some kind of urban planning office or something here, uh, and not just as a symbolic gesture. Someone who's actually listening and actually talking to decision makers to say, look, we have these people. We have these resources here. I mean, I know that if I, I'm no expert. You know, I'm not expert in, you know, maybe, maybe the Mets. Maybe I'm an expert in the Mets and the Yankees. Maybe that's about it. But as far as being, I always look to folks in the community like yourself when I am stuck on a question or stuck on a policy thing or stuck on something geographic or whatever. Mm-hmm. I reach out to you guys because you always seem to have an answer and you always seem to say, well, you know, let's look at it this way. Um, and I really think that um, I know people in the industry, I know people in the administration listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and I hope that after listening to it, Hank, that they start to think that, you know, maybe we should be listening a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, to the things that need to be done. I agree with you 100%. The city of New York is city I grew up in. I love this city and the peninsula we're on right now. When I see things like the Rockaway Youth Task Force and what they've done with their garden and, and working with the community, wonderful. When I see the farm, which is a, a wonderful place to go on a Saturday and Sunday morning to have breakfast and to see the work that's been done there, it's coming alive and we need to support the entire peninsula and we have to look at it as one total picture. When it came to the ferry and they put that in, it was wonderful. But I said, if I was a visitor to the Rockaways and I got off the ferry and went to walk down 108th Street, I'd wonder why the concrete walkway goes up to the parking lot and then you're walking over rubble to get to the beach. And when I pointed it out to city people to say, why isn't that taken care of? Because if that was my sidewalk in front of my house, one, they'd come and find me, and right. two, they'd come and tear it up and redo it and hand me a $10,000 bill exactly. for fixing the sidewalk. But because we're, we're working with National Grid and it's there, you know, I read in the paper last week how Eric stepped in and got weeds cut. That's ridiculous. That piece of land, the mayor should be forcefully pushing National Grid to surrender it to the city for a dollar so that we have that because as we have the, again, it's urban planning. Once we have the ferry system that's locked in there nicely, there should be something right in that land that would attract tourists and everybody else to come in, an ecology center or something that would really speak well of the community and bring more people in to to use our our restaurants and facilities and really support the, uh, the growth of this community, the economic growth of the community. So it's those kinds of things that really should be tackled that in the end would only benefit the city as far as revenues and everything else. Well, Hank, once again, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay.